Alright. <laughs> so the music stopped playing already. I'm oh, coming out here the music. What oh, the music there? I oh, the music there. <laughs> Uh, everybody, welcome to Stush and Bush. My name is Kadeem. And my name happens to not be Kadeem. It's Robert. Oh, for real? Yeah. Oh. Because we're not the same person. Oh. As much as you want to be like me. You could have been fooled me. Wow. <laughs> uh, Stush and Bush is a Caribbean podcast on Caribbean happenings, overall mix-up, and blend-blend. With a queer twist. Mm. You croaked a little there. I did. Oh mm. my gosh. That's, that has been immortalized forever. Yeah, um, and you know what? The people don't like it. The people wouldn't the like people it. don't like it. Remember that first episode I was off key? Yeah, You were also off key on the first episode. I'm screaming. And the second episode. I don't remember what happened anymore because <laughs> I have blocked it out of my mind. I think all the screaming that I did in that last episode has me wanting to be a little bit more centered today. So I'm just going to, you know... I feel that. Be grounded in this couch until I'm provoked. But we'll see what happens. So in the next five minutes. In the next five minutes. (laughs) Welcome to Stush and Bush, y'all. Stush and Bush is for all the old sugar daddies out there trying to find where they can get their nice little Caribbean people and sponsor them visa. That's right. Stush and Bush is turning into a matchmaking company. You know what? Okay, pause. Pause again. Can you not be so random every time <laughs> we introduce the Shinbush? And then two, I don't think that these men's out here who are looking for green card sponsorship are actually sugar daddies. I don't think they have the range or the capacity. No, man. I feel like they want somebody who wants a visa. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Because you know we're what? exotic. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. All right. This is bringing up... Denise Brennan's book about sex tourism, but we're not going to get there yet. Oh, we're not going to get there yet. But you know what? Maybe. Okay, you know what? Fine. Let me continue. Because representation is important. Is it? Representation is vitally important, and I want to make sure we get all the communities out there listening to Stushan Bush, right? Mm. So let me do my second one, please. Stushan Bush, everybody, is for all the people out there who are still struggling to understand where they are uh, with themselves by way of telling our stories and experiences and hoping that has some impact on y'all. That was slightly profound, Mm -hmm. but then also... Slightly, maybe very narcissistic of you. Screaming. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, but I'm a storyteller. Don't so, like, that, I love. feel like by virtue of that, I have to be a bit narcissistic because, like, mm. the best stories that I know are my own. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, especially if they're, like, queer, mm. if they're Jamaican. If they're queer making. Queer making. <laughs> the term is Caribbean. Do not disturb the force. Okay. I have destroyed the sanctity of Caribbean. Mm. Um, uh, but yeah, I I mean, I just love telling stories about myself as yeah. like this queer 
uh, non-conforming Jamaican. All the labels Puerto out Rican. there. Wow. Every single one of the labels. I'm disgusted by your many labels. <laughs> I don't even know where they came from. But a bigger question is whether we need them. Mm. Because I thought Caribbean was enough. And if Caribbean is not enough, then you can come find me and we can talk about how it's going to be enough for you, right? Hi, baby. I found you. Let's have a conversation. <sighs> About why I need 16 labels. Well, let's start with how you came to get there, right? In mm. honor of last month's holiday. <laughs> uh, holiday. Holiday. Even though it didn't get me no time off, despite the fact that we're queer, let's get into the mess that is coming out. Oh, National Coming Out Day. National Coming we Out Day. We did not get that holiday. day off. You I believe what? that the LGBT community should get National Coming Out Day off. Who do we need to contact about this? The president. The pre- I don't want to contact the president. Yeah, no, we're good. This. Let's let's let's. Go. Let's wait Let's until wait. Let's we wait. see what happens in 2020 <laughs> and then reapproach this because some of these candidates out here have some, some really robust LGBTQ platforms and others of them should just drop out now. But it's okay. It's, it's fine. <sighs> we'll talk about it in mm-hmm. a second. But, um, wow, okay, yeah, National Coming Out Day. I mean, I feel like, I feel like coming out is such a nuanced thing, mm-hmm. obviously. Like, like, when we even talk about that, like, who are we coming out to? Because yeah. coming out to myself twice, maybe even four times, yeah. uh, by virtue of all these different labels that I mentioned, um, and then coming out to my family, and then separating my immediate family versus like my family in Jamaica, yeah. um, versus just my family in other spaces um, that, like, that impact their understanding or willingness to tolerate or accept LGBTQ-ness. Um, it's, it's just like so many things. <sighs> Where do I even start? Um, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Let's talk. Let's, let's start with like my coming out story to myself. To yourself. To myself. Mm. Because... I'm very important. To there. yourself be true. To yourself to thine to thine own self be true. Listen, That's I'm what the Bible says. I am says. my own Shakespeare. I think therefore so. I am. All right, girl, continue. Go ahead. <laughs> my coming out So, okay. I don't really have like the story of people saying that like, oh, I knew I was this and I knew I was that ever since I was younger. Like, no, I I I was pretty damn straight. Believe it or not. Ugh. I know. I was like, and I was straight, bro. Here she is now. <laughs> what an evolution. <laughs> um, yeah, like, it's, it's really, like, I, de- I never, I, growing up, I didn't have, like, the, the homosexual thoughts. Mm. I didn't have, like, oh, what would it be like? I feel like those came much later on. Big question was that because heterosexism and heteropatriarchy was imposed on me, mm. so I didn't have the option or opportunity to even explore anything else. Big question, but we'll yeah. figure that out later. Um, but but growing up, I I didn't like always know. I first of all, I had my first girlfriend when I was four years old. Scandalous. I know. First girlfriend when you were four years old. Yeah. Okay, let's pause for a hot second. I know. <sighs> <laughs> Not to, like, situate or to break down your experience, but, like, what is the world (laughs) that is created where, like, you're a four-year-old? Because, like, I also remember doing this, 
Um, not that I had a girlfriend at four, but I remember performing the ceremonies mm. on the playground to marry a boy and a girl. I scre- Wait, I mean, you used to you used to marry people. I mean, come on, listen. You were a reverend ever since you were grandparents four. Grandparents are pastors, so it's just like, mm, okay, <laughs> I'm marrying both of you right now. Come, come, come. I'm annoyed. Let's do this. I stood at the top of the slide, and we stood there together, and like, okay, I now pronounce you husband and wife. And they would kiss it. It was very strange. But, like, that yeah. happened. That's, that, that. And was also encouraged. Stop. Okay, so, you're, uh, Lord Jesus. But go ahead. What's a piece yes. of your, your first girlfriend at oh, four. sorry. Mm, wow, scandal. We, I, I can't wait. We're, we're going to get into you at four because that's, that's. I what a piece do of not remember what uh, happened at four. Not, not a single clue. All right. You clearly you were marrying people off, but well, that part. <laughs> but I had my first girlfriend at four years old, and it was a very childish thing, of course, because mm-hmm. we're four. Um, but then it it like it just stuck. Yeah. And from like pre K all the way up to grade five, grade six, I had this person. I called my girlfriend. Uh, she's actually in New York City right now, oh. and she's actually very supportive. She's really cool. Wow. And I've big never up to you, girl. Met the girlfriend. Wow. I'm. You're going to meet her soon, don't okay, you worry. Great. All right. I mean, um, but she moved to New York City when we were in grade six, grade five or something. And then we just lost communication. I was mm. heartbroken. That was my first heartbreak. <laughs> Seriously. And I was just like, I will never date a woman again. Um, well, she spoke it into existence. <laughs> <laughs> but plot twist, Ooh. I did. Wow. But the you know? I was a Gallus. Wow. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bonafide Gallus. <laughs> that sounded so weird saying it out loud. But like, oh, what? So, Gallus. Translate. A Gallus is oftentimes a person, well, oftentimes a cis man, a cisgender heterosexual man who has a lot of girlfriends or has a lot of, or has a lot of access to girls. Mm, it, it feels like the American translation is womanizer. Ish, but also <laughs> Jamaican men and all of their many girlfriends. We're not going to touch it. We are, we are not going to touch, touch it because just know it's let's a thing. just make it clear that Jamaican men and therefore Car- Jamaican Ooh. men mm-hmm. and other and many Caribbean. other Caribbean men do mm-hmm. not cheat. That's not a thing. We are loyal. Caribbean people as a whole are loyal. Like, you you ain't never heard of a Caribbean person cheating. And that's period. So let me continue. I <laughs> just want to hold a moment of silence for that bold-faced lie you just told. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. Continue. I am going to continue. Let me just... I'm, I'm, I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> I'm going to let you go through your story. But, um... I... So, I, I, you know, I, after after prep school, I guess... I went to high school and still thinking I'm this straight individual and like homosexuality not necessarily like crossing my path um, or me th- even thinking about it unless it was through the lens of homophobia mm. where um, my relationship to any homosexual relationship was through the Bible and saying this is wrong, this is not okay, yada, yada, yada. You know, according to... Episode two of this podcast. Episode two. Um, So, yeah, like, I I get it. So, I never really had those moments. Um, So, what's interesting, though, is, 
you know, I was in grade seven and puberty is hitting me. And um, I uh, met a girl who's also living in New York. I'm screaming. <laughs> they just all, all to They me. all came to find you. <laughs> um, and uh, she was cute. She was great. We, we, were, we joined the choir together in high school. Mm. And um, we would go on trips together, and then we would be in the back of the bus, and we would, like, kiss, and we would do all these different things. <laughs> I was really straight, bro. I was, I was straight. I was, I was, I was, this I was straight. This conversation is actually attacking. But <laughs> continue, girl. Continue. But um, interesting enough, actually, while I was dating her, that's when, like, I, I started, like, examining sort of like these weird attractions and I actually like had a weird experience where I thought of um a man I don't know which man it was but um One or, of them. or maybe I do know but I can't share it Ooh. on this podcast um you know maybe I do know their names and their name is <laughs> their name is don't say it continue <laughs> <laughs> um no so um, I, like I, I, grew up with with an individual, um, and I, I, I actually don't know where he is now. But we grew up together, and um, around the time when I had this girlfriend, we started like also experimenting. You and the guy, or you and me the... and that guy. Okay, yeah. yeah, I mean, I was experimenting with the girl as well. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm <just> kidding. <laughs> um, this is known as the heavy petting stage in your psychology textbooks. But continue. Exactly. Yeah. So this me and this dude, we started like connecting with each other and we started experimenting define connection define experimenting sure. I want all the tea connection is uh, <sighs> our bro bro relationship mm. was became a little bit fluid in mm. that like we started hugging each other mm. or we started like like it, it didn't feel like mask toxic I can't yeah. share my feelings with you type thing so like that connection essentially was like breaking down many of like these ideals that I already had. So a friendship that looked a lot like brotherhood, right. as opposed to like this surface level mm-hmm. uh, male connection, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, Here for it. Yeah, uh, that was that's connection and experimenting. I mean, we 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 kissed once. Oh, you know. Yeah. Um, set the scene, girl. Set, set the set the scene. Okay, so I can't. Okay, here's what's gonna happen. <clears throat> So picture it, two thousand and let's say five. Mm, it's, mm-hmm. That's not a that's not the right year, but let's just say five. And this person is my friend, and um, I travel across parishes <laughs> to his house. Yes, we were just chilling, you know, like we were just chilling, chilling like villains on the back of a tishi bus. <gasps> On the back of a chichibas. On the back of a chichibas. Okay. okay. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, um, yeah, we just we 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 had a moment where like he asked me to do something, and I and I just said to him that may I day, day, not me for the and then he was he like nodded his head when I said may I day, and then I was like oh, oh, relationships are may I day means are we together, um, for you know translation speak, so. There we were. I'm getting. This is like a whole lengthy thing. I should probably like just chill out. Yeah. Um. But 
yeah, long story short, yeah, we, we started experimenting. And then later on, I started questioning what my relationship to other men were. And then it, while still dating women, and we also need to like make space for the closeted men out there who either intentionally or unintentionally date women to sort of like mask or... Yeah. Well, let's make space for that. Mask the folks that like... Mask their like relationship to men and their attraction to men by virtue of them dating women. Uh, for all you women out there, we apo- I apologize. Um, and I love you. I'm going to unapologize for <laughs> and actually retract that whole apology statement because I'm actually not here for the apology in that manner. And here's why. Tell me more. That, for me, is like still rooted in homophobia in that there is a conversation happening on the Twitters um, where a lot, uh, and, and, and I'm speaking specifically about and to uh, black women and black folks who are in relationships with other black folks. The conversation on Twitter a lot is looking like uh, cis, heterosexual black women saying, well, I would never be in a relationship with a bisexual black man because mm. I don't fuck with that shit. If mm. you gay, you gay, that's it, right? So it's like, that is a conversation that is happening. And if we try to begin tracking where that conversation started, it starts with DL men mm-hmm. and HIV AIDS, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's ex- like it goes right there. Because if you look at the research, and I can produce the research for you all, uh, remember when Oprah was, you know, hot and popping with her talk show? Mm-hmm. She invites on a group of women, mixed between some black and some white women, to talk about finding out that their husbands are are essentially bisexual without identifying as such. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it throws into the conversation about HIV mm-hmm. um, and how... Uh, Men engaging in sex with other men then also increases the likelihood of exposure to women to HIV. And they begin exploring this conversation on how uh, it's this big issue of, you know, like them even doing that. But if you look at the differences in responses, white women respond to their husbands in the manner of, well, I'm just here to support him through it all um, and, you know, try to like deal with and situate his uh, desires and attractions. And then black women going, absolutely not. Not in my fucking house. That gay shit, I don't got time for that. Right? So it's like, if you like move from that space of like seeing how like black women some black women are like actively rejecting bisexual black men because they had sex with men but are in a relationship currently with women. It's steeped in homophobia right. for me. So it's like that exists. That. There is another layer of conversation about like being open and honest in your relationship. If you are out there and you are actively knowing that you are not only attracted to women and you're currently dating a woman and you are exclusive, it does not give you the ability, the right, the okayness to go sit there and go, well, well, I'm just going to like be in a relationship with like my woman, mm-hmm. my side piece, whatever you want to call her, and then also go have sex with men. Like that then gets into the moment of, of, of infidelity mm-hmm. and we can't conflate the two of those things and i think that like the apology piece comes in when it's like for infidelity but like that's not for you that's mm. for the person who chose to cheat on their partner don't expose me I, listen i'm just saying point what well i taken. have to say point very well taken i retract my apology yeah um, well, i mean i, I love you though you. exes um anyway 
<laughs> um so there are, so yes i i around like high school time that's when i began exploring and understanding what my relationship was but i never i still never accepted it due to like homophobia yeah um internalized homophobia and like also i was a very avid churchgoer um mm. so my yeah. relationship to god and jesus as well tied a lot into why I didn't necessarily feel coming, didn't necessarily feel comfortable coming out. Well, didn't necessarily feel comfortable even having the conversation with myself. Yeah. Interestingly enough, <laughs> it wasn't until I actually had, um, sort of like that first individual where I, where I could say that I loved or I said that like we started, I started speaking to that. I came into understanding that like wow, okay, I really think I'm very much attracted. To men, mm-hmm. um, and do I still think that the relationships that I had with women um, all throughout high school were valid and and not and sort of like rooted in, um, like my genuine love and appreciation for these women? Yes, completely. I I still love them. I still talk to every single one of them, even now that I'm like way out, um, and we have conversations, right? Um, <laughs> we like each other. We have our we have like an Instagram re- kind of like relationship, you know. Yeah. We hype each other up, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> and and those relationships are still valid, but like I came out to myself after having that experience with that man, yeah. sort of saying like, "Wow, okay, here's somebody that I that I love in the capacity that I was in in the way that I was told that I should only love women." Mm-hmm. Um. And while everything around me says this is not okay, I'm okay with it. Yeah. And that happened, I would say, around 15. Exposure moment. Hmm? Was it just a kiss? Or was there more? (laughs) My mom is listening to this podcast. Stop (laughs) listening. (laughs) Mom, cover your ears. Um, (laughs) No, it was, it, it, it wasn't, it was very physical, yes. Yeah. Um, (laughs) <laughs> from light to heavy petting you know yes. just a little just a little thing um but but beyond that it was also just like an, a genuine emotional like thing where i was like even if my body is attracted to this person yeah. um emotionally i like i've always been able to say like, yeah i'm attracted to this person but like emotionally i wouldn't ever see yeah. Um, us doing anything like, and that's that's how we feel about a lot of people, right? And I mean, like, I wonder, like, what it would look like if we racialize this conversation, right? Because I often think about what it looks like for men of color, but in my context, black men, to mm-hmm. be in relationship with another black man, and like, and when I say relationship, I really do mean like. Any sort of relationship. Yeah. Uh, most commonly, sort of like that platonic, in-person, uh, <clears throat> passerby relationship piece. Like the the connection that exists between two people. Yeah. Um, and how we are sort of like socialized to engage with other men. Mm-hmm, right? And mm-hmm. then... I look at our white counterparts and I'm like, the level of like openness, fluidity, and camaraderie that is allowed mm-hmm. in white male relationships doesn't seem to exist on on like most black relationships, right? As as in the the bro dude hugging situation is perfectly fine to happen. And like even like 
knocking up against the wall of, like, queerness for white men is totally possible. We're not even going to get into it right now, but if y'all want to know what I'm talking about, go look for Jane Ward's book, Not Gay. And it literally... homework to do? I'm giving... All the homework, but also, like, it's spicy because, like, she has, like, snapshots of the gay porn in her book. So it's, like, academia, but gay. But, like, <laughs> really, really gay. Like, not Sex that positive. queer studies shit where it's, like, oh, mm, queerness for is like, mm, no, gay banging. So <laughs> saying all that to say that it's, like, what is it about how society is sort of, like, set up and done uh, for white men mm-hmm. that allows for that fluidity in interaction. And, like, what would life have looked like for you if you are able to have, like, that emotional connection relationship-wise with other men and mm-hmm. it not be automatically marked as queer? Yeah. Because for folks who are not queer and find themselves having emotional feelings towards other men, block themselves off from having fruitful relationships with other people, where it's just like, you can have a really great, solid relationship with the some, with anyone and be great friends yeah. and not be queer. And like, I worry that folks who are struggling with this conversation, like who are like struggling to have this even sort of like thought process, will bar themselves from having that great experience because they are going to mark it as queer mm-hmm. and therefore foreign. Exactly. But also everything's gay. Everything is gay. <laughs> yeah. That's that's also the other layer. Um Yeah. So that that that's that's pretty much where I was. I, I, I I'm yeah, it's it's exactly as you said. As soon as I had this connection with this person, both of these individuals that I mentioned actually, yeah. it uh, it for me was like, okay, well, this is obviously queer, which yeah. I think sort even bolsters your point that like my relationships were sort of like we explored brotherhood and all these different yeah. things and all whatever whatever was essentially an extension or a like was an extension of what I understood a healthy relationship to be yeah. and therefore fine and therefore queer. Yeah. Especially as a queer person. Um, I mean, but you know, the differences between brotherhood and manhood and how men uh, allow themselves to have relationships that are either focused on brotherhood or focused on manhood is a stark contrast. I would almost, well, let me not get to... Uh, assumption-y of how <laughs> people are approaching it by a race because we can't paint things with broad brushes all the time. But also... But also, <laughs> manhood requires another man mm-hmm. to be there and to uh, trap each other, essentially, in this conversation of who is more manly than the other person, right? Mm-hmm. And that's where the toxic masculinity piece comes in, right? Mm-hmm. Uh it's more so the conversation on uh, brotherhood. And in brotherhood, it's like, okay, you can exist in this space where you don't need to match each other's manliness in that moment and can allow for a deeper emotional connection that manhood doesn't allow for. Because the, the connection of manhood, as I understand from like a societal perspective, mm-hmm. equates to a form of toxic masculinity mm-hmm. that requires someone else to be the lesser. Yeah. And that's how you measure manhood. Brotherhood. Not with rulers. <laughs> wow. Wow. 
Please you know continue. what? You got me there. That was a good one. That was a good one. Thank you. I and I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> wow. Threw but you also, <laughs> it's just sitting my mind places. I'm just gonna bring it up because I can, um, and not because it matters anything to this conversation. But there is, um, there there was this article that was giving like this, I guess like not widely known story, mm-hmm. but just like a story. Um, of these two men, one who is white and the other one who is Jamaican, and they both have tattoos on their penises, um, and they're at a urinal. I know it, it it's crazy, Girl. and they're at a urinal, and the white guy has like a tattoo, um, that says like let's just say like home. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the black man, or the Jamaican in this context, has a tattoo on his penis that also says H and ends in E, and he can't see it. And by the di- like, like by the time he's done peeing, he's like, the, it, you can read the entire tattoo to say, hi, welcome home. And it's like this comparison of manhood. Um, in those moments of, like, differences in masculinity and the matching of manhood, right? So it's like, you say measurement of manhood, but, like, this anecdote essentially is sort of, like, there to exacerbate the differences in how the measurement of manhood, i.e. the phallic member, um, says something about the matching of one's actual manhood, reasons why manhood is not a helpful tool to connect men, at all. Wow. That was just so random. That was so random. I'm sorry. No, but don't apologize. Also... We're unapologetic here. We're unapologetic. Don't do but that. manhood... Retract your apology again. I refuse. <laughs> I will not retract anything I say. I'm sorry. Um, I'm not sorry. Uh, but manhood is a really great transition to my story. Yes, on... that's what I was just about to say. Speaking of manhood <laughs> and penises, <laughs> what did you come up to yourself, Robert Wesley Anthony Taylor Jr.? Picture it. <laughs> Picture it. J.C. Penny in Co-op City. Seriously, girl. 2005. The Bronx. In the Bronx. The Bronx? This is how you know the story is real. <laughs> I'm shopping with my mother. We're in J.C. Penny. <laughs> and it's time to go pick up some more underwear. We just like needed more underwear. And we're in the underwear aisle. And if you've ever been to J.C. Penny or have ordered underwear from them. Girl, ain't nobody coming to the Bronx. Okay, but there are JCPenney's in other locations. <laughs> Don't be disrespectful. Does Brooklyn even have JCPenney? Yes, we do. Because mm, you broke. Okay, <laughs> but ours is better. Anyway, so I'm walking through the JCPenney, and we get to the underwear aisle, and it's just rows of semi-naked men in their underwear, and I'm like, hmm... Mm peculiar moment going on here. And I remember the first time it happened, I was like, huh, titillating. (laughs) Um, Did you feel excitement? Not excitement, but a a tingle. A tingle. Down my spine. (laughs) And I'm like, what is this? So I I vividly remember taking the underwear home, (laughs) taking the package out, putting the underwear away, in my drawer, and then keeping the paper inside of the underwear wrapper that has the man with the thing on it. And then also, I mean, you know, back in the days where they, like, JCPenney and Macy's used to send, like, those big books 
um, mm-hmm. of the mailers, like huge. Girl, I would just tear out all the pages. I'm like, I'm keeping this shit. This is mine. Where'd you put it? Don't worry about it. It's still my hidey hole to this day. <laughs> and it was just like a really interesting moment that like me beginning to understand for myself what it meant. Mm-hmm to think of the understanding of being gay was situated in JCPenney and looking at those things of like, hmm, is gay attraction to the male body? Question mark. Um, And then every time I would go back to JCPenney, which wasn't often, until I started throwing my underwear out, it was just like, oh, well, I need more underwear now. You didn't. It's time. You didn't. Oh, boy, now. I I, I guess we got to go to the JCPenney. You threw your underwear out to go to JCPenney? I will neither confirm nor deny that part of the story. Um. It's I, feel like, I feel like I'm going to go home. My mother's going to go, you owe me a few hundred dollars <laughs> <laughs> for having me go to JCPenney all the damn time. Um, so, like, being there was just, like, a, a site of exploration Beautiful. around around queerness. And I really started to begin questioning with myself, uh, nigga, is you gay? <laughs> are, you, are you gay? Is this it? It's... Um, and it's, it's, it's always interesting to remind myself how it felt Mm. in that moment to question myself in a way where I've never had to question myself before. And honestly, it felt attacking, right? Like generating (laughs) that feeling and exposure of of rubber. By myself, right? Where it's like, what was it around? What what was it about the environment around me that made me ask myself a question and make me feel shame? Mm. Right? And it's like, Brene Brown have me out here. She has me out here. I mean, I'm no longer basic. I'm no longer surface level. Mm, Brene Brown, I saw your Netflix talk. Like, I'm up in your literature now. And I'm, like, trying to, like, do that work with myself. And it's like, what... Was it Who's about Brene myself? Brown? Brene Brown is this amazing researcher who talks about shame, guilt, embarrassment, mm-hmm. um, and recently had a uh, Netflix series—well, not series, but like a, a, a Netflix special, uh, special come out uh, where she talks about um, shame and guilt. Yeah, um, and I'm now audio listening to one of her books, uh, The Power of Vulnerability, and she talks a lot about shame. I mean, Mm -hmm. and she talks a lot about guilt. And I think if we think about the Jamaican context, the Caribbean context around queerness, Mm -hmm. it's steeped in a lot of shame and and in a lot of guilt. Period. Right? So it's like, how can we look to the research? How can we look to therapy uh, to explore shame and guilt to get us to a space of like, okay, let me unpack that. Therapy, therapy as a way to understand your relationship to queerness. It's ridiculous, right? I've never heard of such a thing. But you know what also? Like, yes, but then here's like the way that you queer and Caribbean that, right? Like, our relationship to therapy as Caribbeans is fraught, right? It's like, Caribbeans don't do that shit. Mm. We bottle it up. Or we pray about it. Right? Yes. And I remember my therapist, God bless her soul, she was amazing. She was like, I'm going to support you in coming out. And I'm like, okay, sis. Mm. I did not come to you mm. for that. 
Mm. And also, it's like, I still want to hold on to that piece Caribbeanly, yeah, Caribbeanly, of how I can exist as myself and not like need the support in coming out, but mm-hmm. still receive support in a different way. So, like, the coming out piece to ourselves, I think, feeds into the conversation on how we came out to mm-hmm. our... Came out slash are still coming out, if I'm being honest, to yeah. my family, your family. <sighs> yeah. And let's emphasize... I shall emphasize the came out still coming out. Yeah. Like, I mean, the come out process with my mother and my father versus my uncle, my aunt, versus my grandmother. Oh. Oh, child, my grandmother, Girl. who I told to listen to this podcast. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm not telling my grandmother to listen to this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Because it she... is too much. I literally saw a notification that she liked Sushan Bush on Facebook. I'm gagged. And which means that she listened to like the teasers and all these different uh. things. And I just. <sighs> God, God, God bless her soul. But. But yeah, so like coming out, so I'll say that all to say, emphasizing the coming out, still coming out, mm-hmm. especially like, again, going back to the fact that like, I feel like I have so many labels and I feel like I'm still figuring out who I am, my relationship to gender, my relationship to sexuality from a queer Caribbean perspective and understanding what have been like translations of like people whose gender relationship varies and difference, but differentiates than sort of like the norm Mm -hmm. but putting that in a jamaican context i think sometimes i still well i ask myself that question every day like what does that look like yeah um and because of that even coming out feels so weird because like there's nothing that i'm coming out to show (laughs) but also i'm coming out to show a lot of things yes um so yes let's hold on to that let's hold on for that that we're gonna have to unpack that and am i gonna be reading myself and my Relationship to gender at some point. Yes, I will. Um, coming out to my mother was the most significant thing to me. Um, it was, I think, this month, this th- this month in November. Yeah. Marks, in the year 2019. Yes, in mm. the year 2019 marks four years since coming out to my mother. Yeah. Um, and the following March would mark four years coming out to my father. Um, picture it. <laughs> you only get one. Why? No more picturing. One then picture it. You can. Okay. So mine, mine own has a very weird thing. So it all started when I had a holiday in October of 2015. And my best friend at the time, she was just like, could you meet you come over, spend the weekend with me? Um, my mother's out of town. Let's Ooh. just oh, sucka sucka now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> bet y'all thought. Um, <laughs> but she was just like, you know, let's just come over, let's chill, let's watch movies, let's spend the weekend together. And I was like, yeah, sure, of course, cause like, duh, you're my best friend. So we're all here, we're cooking, we're having a great weekend with each other. But she didn't tell her mom that I was coming over. Yeah, I left my juice in the fridge. And her mother came home and saw the juice and knew that somebody had came over. Her mother knows of me. At the t- yeah. Her mother knew of me at the time. But long story short, they got into an argument and it was very horrible. And because of my presence, my friend uh, went through some problems uh, where she began experiencing homelessness. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and my feeling so guilty around that. Well, not even that. Like, just because like, I'm a decent human being. Yeah. <laughs> um, I She stayed with me for a few days while sort of like the tensions like decreased a little bit. Um, but what was interesting is that by virtue of her experiencing homelessness, um, um, we're no longer friends, by the way. Um, mm. um, by virtue of her experiencing like what she experienced, it was very triggering for me, which is a very weird and kind of narcissistic thing to say. Mm. But the pressure and the guilt, I guess, that I felt um, was like bottling up and I was just like so stressed out. I was like, how can I support her? How can I ensure that like, you know, she's doing well? How can I ensure that like fiscally she's going to be okay? Like, because part of it was me feeling guilty, but also part of it was just, this is how you help somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, So after that um, occurred... Um, I I think it was around Thanksgiving. It was definitely around Thanksgiving. I went over to my aunt's house to spend Thanksgiving with um and my best friend and boyfriend at the time. Whoa, plot twist! I was in a relationship at the time. Um, was they were they were they 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 were all together and they were chilling. But like me, I was um I spent the 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 Thanksgiving with my with my family and. My mother could tell that I was very, like, I was very upset. I was evidently upset. She was like, Kareem, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Are you good? Are, like, what's happening to you? And I was just like, honestly, mommy, like, I, I'm going through it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then she's like, is this about, like, your friend? I was like, yeah, but honestly, mommy, I, I really don't care what you do at this point, but you should know I'm attracted to men. Mm. And then, and that's how you worded it. That yeah, yeah. I, I literally said I don't care what you do to me, um, because I, obviously, like what had stopped me all these years was thinking that like by virtue of my coming out, I would be subjected to family rejection, mm-hmm. which is we know is like one of the main issues why we have such a high LGBT homelessness population throughout the world, but in New York City, it's like obviously pretty horrendous. So I was fearing family rejection. Uh, particularly from my mother. I didn't really care if it came from anybody else because like my mother is the person who yeah. I uphold to like the extent that I uphold her. And I was super like, you know, like scared and even <laughs> terrified. And I said, Mommy, I genuinely don't care what you do. I am attracted to men. And uh, she laughed. She <laughs> Plot twist, plot twist. She freaking laughed um, in your face. In my face. Wow. Like she kind of did like a little grin. I was just like, yeah, I know. Um, and come to find out, a few months before that, mm. she found some letters that I letters. I know, I know. Uh. So. So, How old are you? I know. <laughs> Apparently, like, a long time ago, I used to write letters to this random person in Canada who I met on Tagged, which is, like, a social <laughs> media website. And we, we met on Tagged. I'm not ashamed. And we started writing letters to each other. Uh, he was in Canada. I was here. We used to letters. Like, it was just, like, a very weird time in my life. And also, it's how I explored queerness. So leave me alone. Okay. So I mean, I was in the underwear aisle. So <laughs> weird flex, but okay. 
Okay. I'm... Yo, so my mom was just like, yeah, I found those letters a long time ago and I read them all. <laughs> um, and Are I just put them back. <laughs> I know, right? Like, first of all, mommy, just going in my things. But also Caribbean bombs. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's make space for Caribbean right. bombs. No sense of privacy. <laughs> <laughs> so she found my letters and she's like, Kitty, I knew for a while. And then... She says she was just basically waiting for me to say something and she wanted to give me more time. Wow. Um, and she also said that, like, even before I came out, her opinion started changing on, like, uh, the LGBT community because, by virtue of, like, my being as vocal as I was. So even though I wasn't out, I was still that person to say, like, your opinion is crap mm. and you shouldn't be discriminating against people just because they're queer or yeah. trans or whatever. So, like, even before that, she was... So she said that, like, by virtue of my doing those way younger like as soon as I had come to this country um you know it, it, it already had caused her to like rethink and re-understand um her perceptions of the queer and trans community yeah um which very grateful and I thank her for being like that open person to like understand and welcome like opinions even if like they make her uncomfortable at the time but like pushing herself to learn and all these different things. So shout out to my mother. Um, I love her. I love you. Um, but she basically said that she knew. And then she was like, listen, I love you. Um, we're going to get through this together. And then she said, go take a nap. Go relax. Mm. And, whatever. Um, and also the relationship between my friend and her mother uh, improved and it became like an amazing thing and they became best of friends. Yeah. So... Um, we all just got well got well along with our mother. So that's my coming out story to my yeah. mother. I know we said family, but I that that's the most significant one for me because mm-hmm. I still think about that and I still think of like how grateful I am. Um, but also how terrified I was in that moment. Mm-hmm. But also making space for the fact that regardless of how terrified I was, I was literally willing to risk every aspect, everything that made my life safe. And, like, protected, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was willing to risk all of that just in the name of saying, I am queer. Yeah. Um, and I think about that part a lot. And, and I think about, like, how people are just like, why don't you just stay in the closet until, like, whatever. Like, that's just hard. Mm-hmm. Right? Imagine feeling like it's better to be open than to be safe. Mm. You know? So that's when I came out to my mom and my family. I, I don't know if we want to get into. I mean, my sister was like hilarious. I was just like, so I was kissing this boy on the train. And she was like, Gagged. you were kissing a boy on the train? And yeah. then I was like, she was like, yeah. And then she was like, why? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, because. I felt I, like, a... I, I, like he's a boy. And he kissed him on the train. And then she's like, so this is how you're coming out to me, Kareem? And she was pissed that this is her, this was her way of coming out, but Honestly, she's she's always she was always supportive. So yeah, it didn't even count for her. <laughs> I feel like my response would have been, "Why are you kissing on the train? Cut that shit out. That's nasty." Yeah, fear. To everyone out here who kisses on the train, cut that shit out right now. To everybody who kisses on the train, do whatever the fuck you want to do. And if you see Robert coming at you, let me know. Cause you're bush. <laughs> anyway, anybody can do what they want to. Um, oh my god. Please. I, what about you, Robert? What what's going on? What it's all about me now. Um I uh, coming out is what 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 a fuck. <laughs> um 
Before I begin, <laughs> hey, listen, it's the historian in me. All the context is important. But imagine a world where queer folks did not have to be in constant fight or flight mode all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, reflecting on my journey, because mm-hmm. I don't want to call it coming out, um, re- like... It really was, like, a lot of moments of, like, being in fight or flight um, in relationship with other people. So, I say my coming journey, and I don't say coming out because I didn't have the chance to come out. I was outed. Um, Oh. It was a a very interesting period of time. I think I, well, I mean, I knew I was a gay because (gasps) early on... At the aisle. The underwear. So that happened. So I had come out to myself a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think I was definitely like a gay to my friends. Uh, My junior, but really senior year of high school. And then (laughs) got to NYU and was just like, I'm a gay. Everyone must know. Shout from the rooftops kind of thing. Um, and also was working at the LGBTQ Student Center at the time when I was in NYU. So I'm just like, hmm, gay, 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 gay. Um, and separate from my queerness, but also just more so around, like, gender expression, I um, started growing my hair out. Okay. Um, and, I mean... I had gone to Catholic school all my life, so, like, short hair was always a thing. And, like, Mm -hmm. also, like, at that time, like, how Jamaican boys looked good and crisp was to go and, you know, cut your hair, nice little, like, dark Caesar uh, all the time. Um, So I start growing my hair out, and then this is also around the time where, like, the natural hair movement is, like, really, like, roughing up. And, like, I'm also on a college campus, so it's, like, I see more black men growing their hair out, so I'm, like... I want to do that. And like, yeah. I vividly remember being like, I, I grow my hair out because I appreciate the sensation of being able to like have like my fingers like hide underneath my hair. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I enjoy that. <clears throat> so I'm growing my hair out and I dye it brown. <sighs> gay. 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 Um, and brown. I remember the first time that like my hair was growing out and I dyed it, this conversation argument breaks out between me and my parents about like why my hair is growing out and like why uh, I dyed it brown mm-hmm. and my father said that I looked funny <laughs> I'm sorry it, it, it's fine That's... I'm still in the of process course, of getting over it but like of course that would be the word typical Caribbean response to like not wanting to call you gay but like it looked yeah. funny if y'all yeah y'all know funny funny, funny is... like you look funny. Yeah, like you have a little sugar in you. Gay. Yeah. Um, so we get into a very like heated argument, and I'm like, okay, fine, fuck it. Yeah. And then I remember immediately after that argument, my parents are getting ready to leave the house. I closed my door. I didn't slam it because we don't slam doors in our house. Oh, not unless you want to get beat. The fuck down. Um <laughs> So I remember closing my door and my mother comes up to my room and I remember opening the door. Like this was like this like very first moment of like being in fight or flight where like I feel like she was confronting me 
and confronting my queerness in like a very violent way. Meanwhile, she was just like standing there <laughs> asking me the qu- like she like gave me that look. Mm-hmm. Diane, you know that look you gave me <laughs> that just like steers into your soul and I'm like, oh, fuck, what the, no, no, my God, no. Mm-hmm. And she looks at me and she's like, do you want to say something? And I'm like, no. I'm screaming. I'm good. She's like, you sure? And I'm like, I'm sure. <laughs> and I was like, ah. Oh. And like, I was like, clearly in fight or flight. Yeah. And then I shaved my head that week and I'm like, all right, fine, whatever. Fuck oh, it. And then I think in my that's that's symbolic. Yeah, I say that right there. Yeah, like you shaving your head after that, mm-hmm. like that's that. It's it, it, it was a lot. Yeah. So I did that, not because I wanted to fit back in or like I wanted to like warp my queerness because I I'm still going to school and like <laughs> being gay as shit, but like how I represented myself at home had to shift and change to make space for that. Yeah. Um, And then I remember in my sophomore year, maybe spring into summer, and then definitely my junior year, I started growing my hair out again. Yeah. And I dyed that shit right back to brown. Maybe because, like, I like the two-tone concept that I was going for. I was cute. I knew I was cute. You, you you're still cute. You still have a little I'm brown in cute. your hair, baby. You know, like, that's breakage, but it's okay. We oh, don't... I'm screaming. My hairstylist is going to cuss me, but it's all right. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember growing it out, and I think this time around, um, we didn't bring the conversation up again of, like, you know, me being funny. Also, I think at that point, I didn't care, right? I was just like, okay, I'm growing my hair out. That's it. Yeah. Um, and I remember making a post on Facebook Ooh. on coming out day, but I didn't reference, like, hashtag national. Like, I, I, I didn't do that. The, the yeah. post was something along the lines of, just came out the bathroom and I feel so liberated. I, <laughs> oh, a poem. I was a spicy bitch. Yeah, I you were still artistic. was. So you like I was, I I was basically riffing on coming out day and like how coming out for communities day. of color isn't like really like a thing that we sort of kind of do or like how necessary is it? When mm-hmm. do we do it? Why do we do it? Like. Mm-hmm. not, like, wanting to move away from the narrative, like, you need to come out. Oh, yes. Um, from, like, a queer Caribbean perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone from church, yeah, someone from church not called church. the woman who was working at my house at that time, who also went to the same church, and told her that she saw a post on Facebook about coming out. Mind you, like, I, I was very that. careful about, like, how I worded the post. So, like, right, like, nobody's thinking. If you didn't know about coming out day, if it you, like, wouldn't... also, like, I said came out of the bath. Like, it, so, like, I was, I was talking about taking a shit. Like, like <laughs> I, w- I was clear about that. Um, and she confronts me one day, and she's like, you know, so, sister so-and-so called me this week, and she said... That she saw something on Facebook about this, that, or the other. She said this, that, or the other. And she said, you know, you was a young man and 
you know, use respectable and I respect you. Like oh, like the, the whole old the Jamaican woman spiel like... going around the um and I'm like back in fight or flight again. Yeah. Where I'm like, I don't know what she's talking about. No, that post wasn't about that. I'm not gay. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward yeah. conversation. Switch it to like some of the gossip piece. My, mind you, we gossip all the time. Right. But it's in this one moment where it's like confronting about this. And like she's not looking at me either, but like I'm still very much like feeling attacked. It's like, oh my God. Like, right. What's yeah. going on? I thought it ended there. Yeah. The next day, I'm in the kitchen washing dishes, and my mother's coming upstairs from the basement and essentially corners me. Back in fight or flight again. Mm-hmm. So like my third like time of like remembering being in fight or flight around my queerness, um, and like that that freeze and tension that like happens where, like you stop breathing and you're just like waiting to see what's going to happen and sort of like your body runs cold kind of thing. Like and that, that like that happens for me. Yeah. Um, or happened for me every time I was in this space of like being outed almost, like being confronted about a queerness that I knew and like lived in. And so this final time I'm in the kitchen washing dishes and my mother is there and we're talking like, oh, like, you know, like I'm thinking we're just going to like, have like a standard conversation. Um, and she's like, so mother welcome. Oop, just outed you. Um, I don't care. Uh, just told me. <laughs> I, I, I really don't care. Oh my um, gosh. Mother welcome just told me that um, you posted something and something on, on Facebook about being gay. And I think at that point, I was in fight or flight so much yeah. that I was just tired. And mm. I turned around and I looked at her and I'm like, are we really having this conversation right now? And she was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, it means something for me to like actually sit here with you right now and like have this conversation. And one, I was like, I thought that the relationship that I had with Mother Welcome was so much so that, like, if I said, you know, like, mm-hmm. it's whatever it's done, like, it would have ended there. But, like, she brought it to my mother. I'm like, oh, fuck, okay, whatever. Mm-hmm. So I said that I don't have a coming out story because, like, I was outed, right? And yeah. I'm in the kitchen and talking to my mother. And, like, we have the conversation about, like, me being a gay. and A whole one. A whole gay. Mm-hmm. And it was okay. Yeah. Like... It, it it was fine. She was like, "Oh, girl, I've been new." <laughs> the mothers know. The mothers know, but also like she read shit before too, because Robert was a spicy youngin. Um, yeah. But she'll be fine. She'll get over it. If not, if you're not over it, go to therapy. You're fine. Everyone <laughs> she listens just, to every, this every, podcast. She she listens to the podcast, so it's just like just everyone will be fine. Um, <laughs> and I remember us having the conversation of like who can know and who can't know. And I feel like that piece still sticks with me in this moment now of like what it means to come out mm-hmm. uh, to family. So like family for me, much like you in that moment, like was my mother. Exactly. Where it's like I didn't give a flip darn goddamn fuck of what anybody else had to think. If my like if I didn't have my mother's approval, like shit was over, right? So it's yeah. like. I feel that so much. Existing in that space, I remember her going, my wig isn't shifted, and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> Authentic mom. <laughs> um, 
And, like, we were close before, but I feel like in the years after being outed and then also being able to, like, come to her with, like, those very queer-specific conversations, our relationship has gotten so much stronger. So much so that, like, before when I was preparing myself to be without family, I regained that part, right? Where it's, like, talking with people about why I used to see myself as, like, not being so, like, deeply connected to family, uh, they're like, that doesn't make any sense to me. And it's like, then you just don't understand what it looks like or what it feels like to know that all of this could be, like, gone. Yeah. In a minute. Yeah. Um, And that, like, you could not have this home. And, like, what it looks like to be in that space of supporting LGBTQ life on campus Mm -hmm. and then going home Mm -hmm. and going, Mm -hmm. the tools that I try to provide people in, like, our allyship zone training are the same tools that I need to build for myself. What is my contingency plan? Do I have scans and copies of my documents? Who am I going to go to? Like, that's just not okay. All these things that, like, you think about, like... That one, that yeah. part just 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 fucked me for a second. Yeah. The fact that like you have to think about where my documents are, having to get your passport, having to get your your social security card, all these different things that is off, if often in the crevices of like your mother's. Yeah, because your parents cabinet. hold on to that documentation for you. Exactly, and what does that say? How does that? What does that say for? Like, the fact that you think about that, mm-hmm. right? The fact that, like, that's an actual thought yeah. that you think about prior to coming out and then understand that, like, you're living in perpetual fear. Yeah. Shame. Yeah. Guilt. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Right. Just... So, it's... I just... Wow. So... Coming so out slash being outed... Is like a it's a dual conversation, right? As, oh. as in, like, coming out being the standard doesn't make space for people who are outed. Yeah. Right. And and it's like, for some, coming out is dangerous, and 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 the reaction is dangerous. For some, being outed, it's great, but not great. But like, also like the the act of being outed is violent. Oh yes, like, it is violence. If you it, it like. If we're going to do, like, the whole, like, closet analogy, let's bring up the allegory of the cave, <laughs> right? Like, oh. you're sitting there in a darkness having reflections on some shit that is not even fucking real. Right. And then someone rips open the closet door and shines his light so brightly in your face, right? And, like, that is jarring. Yeah. Uh, the fact that you're in the closet, if you come out or if you're being outed, like... The act of that is work. The act of that is violent. Like, like that is an entire situation of just, like, fucked up and this, like, like, you you can't approach that in a light way. Um, and, like, while for some coming out day can be liberating, for, like, coming out day those years ago, and, like, me ripping on it, mm-hmm. was the start of, like, a very, like, visceral journey yeah. of the outing process for me. Um and I feel like I'm going to stop there. Yeah. Um, because there are, like, so many layers to the coming out story that, like, can happen um, that I don't necessarily, like, have time to hold space for, like, are, like, not connected to this. Yeah. But I want to say something about, like, what the hair-growing story means for me also. Mm-hmm. In that 
I feel like me growing my hair out made space for my brother to grow his hair out. Mm. And my brother is very, like, bro-macho sexual. Mm. Plays basketball, has the girlfriends, like, that kind of thing. He's your brother? <laughs> right? Y- Shocking. Y- yours? Very different. <laughs> um, Which is okay. I still love you. Um, but <laughs> Even though you're straight, I love you. Even though you're shit, I still love you. But it's like, the... If I didn't struggle the way I had to struggle within my queerness and within my gender expression really is like what, like I'm, my hair is not tied to my sexuality, it's tied to my gender expression. Like those are two different things. Right. I feel like, and like this is maybe me feeling like, you know, I'm the best out there, but like my ability to express my gender in that way made space for him also to grow his hair out. Yeah. Um, so those moments of queerness that like make space for us all to do what, other people want to do is a thing. So, like, mm. queerness makes space. Right. Right? Queerness is futurity. Yeah. And in that moment, uh, my expression of queerness in the gender realm made space for someone else to express their gender and to be more open. Yeah. Which is why I feel so strongly about the conversation surrounding manhood not being useful. Yeah. Right? Because, like, if we were matching manhood, I would lose. Right. But your by virtue of your queerness, yeah. you've made space for his mm-hmm. manhood. Yeah, I put that in quotations. Right, in quotations. Right. Um, but jumping back into like the effect piece of being out in the Caribbean, um, and in the Caribbean diaspora, it makes me think back to two authors. Wait, um, yeah. Before that, yeah. I just want to say. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you. Continue. You're so welcome. <laughs> <I'm just laughs> Thank you for gracing us. Lesson you host. Thank you. Um, it, 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 it makes me think about two authors, Stacey mm. Ann Chin Woo! and Marlon James. Woo! Um, so Stacey Ann Chin is, I feel like I don't have enough time to do her justice, yeah. but like, Stacey Ann Chin is a badass, and if you're listening to this, I love you with a passion. Uh, she's a badass, and uh, she also recently released another book. Crossfire. Crossfire, yeah. a litany uh, for survival. So if you haven't got it, get your life together and go get that book. Um, but the effect on being uh, out in the Caribbean diaspora, I think she really highlights in one of the first books that she wrote, uh, The Other Side of Paradise, a memoir. Mm-hmm. Um, and she sort of, like, talks about the pieces that like we began with in episode two on, like, queer migration, mm-hmm. right? And, and sort of, like, coming into her queerness in Jamaica, um, but then also sort of, like, having that coming-outedness relationship because of... Uh, you know, like, who she was, but then also making a trip up to New York and going to Stonewall and meeting the gay. Um, and then going back to Jamaica and, and sort of, like, being, like, open and honest and, like, f- like forward-facing uh, that she was a lesbian and is met with violence, right? And it's, like, that piece on coming out in the diaspora, right, and and that piece about like coming out in specifically the the context of Jamaica, can meet you with violence, right? 
Mm-hmm. But then on the flip side of that, Marlon James, also Jamaican, not living in Jamaica currently, did this uh, did this interview with Out Magazine, mm-hmm. and they asked him about what it was like to be, you know, gay in Jamaica, mm-hmm. and and along the he essentially responds along the lines of, in order for me to answer that question, I would have had to have been out mm-hmm. in Jamaica, right? So it's like, what does coming out look like, and from like a Jamaican perspective, do we not just exist? Right. And if you know, you know. And if you don't, you don't. But like, do, like how explicit are we yeah. in our outness in the Jamaican context? And then how does the diaspora complicate that? Something for you, maybe. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think about this, I think about that, and I think about what it looks like to just be um as it relates to um let's say that like oftentimes when we talk about like being out and being like um you know openly this or openly that there's oftentimes this search that people do for empirical evidence mm. this like i let me see how deviant i guess you are from from what we know mm. to be normal mm-hmm. um and that is how i'm measuring your queerness yeah um and with 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 what what marlon james like what how i how i'm interpreting that is is uh, with what he said was like like there isn't this, there wasn't this empirical thing like i was i mean granted yes there's this fear i couldn't necessarily be out in the way that i want to be but also like can't i guess i'm wondering what being just looks like and how you know how we can understand queerness just be like a normal regular thing that's just like so ordinary so just basic yeah that it doesn't need empirical evidence or this sort of like statistics or thing to say like here is what queerness is here is queerness here's what it was like Mm. and what it what what does it what is it like being out and ordinary Mm. and mediocre. Like, why... Oftentimes, like, I see... When when people talk about, like, que- the queerness, it's this, oh, this, look at that, look so flaunting, whatever. But, like, the flaunt, can that be my regular thing? Why is that so disruptive? You know? So, that's how I thought about yeah. that. But, you know, that's... That's what I think. Girl, you know what... I feel like there are maybe like three more areas of this conversation that we can like explore, but like, do we even have the time to like go mm. into it and do it justice? I don't think They're so. They're not ready. Like, girl, girl I'm mean, not ready. Yeah, no. <laughs> it is so much. I mean,. Girl, okay. Well, listen. But, all right. What I'm curious to know, like, as a way of not sort of, like, thinking on this final piece, Mm -hmm. what is it like for us now that we have come out, are still coming out in the queer Caribbean diaspora? Um, What what is it like for us now? I think it's such an important thing. 
I mean, we're out here, we're doing a podcast. Yeah. Um, we're thinking <sighs> that our mind? stories are, are relevant enough to be out here through a podcast being, you know, telling, telling the folks what's up, telling the <laughs> folks what's good. <laughs> but what is, it, what is it truly like being queer and Caribbean and out slash mm. going, slash coming out still? Yeah. I mean, I see this podcast as like the process of coming out also, right? Yeah. Where... People come out on a daily. Mm. Mm-hmm. You meet new people. You decide whether you want to or you not. Like you know, like that process happens a lot for folks. But I am like reflecting on like my family relationships now. Like as I said before, like my relationship with my mother is so great. We're like I'm like I I haven't seen you in five hours. What are you up to? Yeah, yeah. You you cooking breakfast? Let's have some wine together, sis. What's that? You know, so like yeah. It, it, I could have, ne- like, looking back at Robert in, uh, I mean, I maybe even go as early to say, like, 2012, mm-hmm. could have never imagined the relationship that Robert in 2019 has with his mother. That was mm. a, a lot of third person talking, but, like, yeah. I could have never imagined. So it's, like, a beautiful art to happen. and. Yeah. I mean, we 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 can talk about like like the struggle that needs to happen for like parents to have like really great relationships with their children, yeah. but like there was struggle, right? And like mm-hmm. we have it, but like there was still struggle. Um, and I also begin to think about like the process of coming out to more and more folks in my family. An interesting piece that started happening is like when this podcast opened. My mother was like, I'm sending this to everybody. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, shit. <laughs> Everyone's going to know I'm a gay now. And a it's like, day. I always knew, like, putting content out there was going to result in, like, people know. I mean, the Caribbean website, you go to it, and it's just like, Robert Your is a gay. <laughs> so a it's just Robert like, LOL. Um and I had been, like, presenting for years before this on Queer Caribbean. So, like, you search my name, you see Caribbean, it's just, like, Robert talks about gay shit here and here and here and here. <laughs> like, universities across the nation <laughs> continue to bring us. But, like, it's been out there. So, that, like, that in and of itself is, is a continual process of coming out. And mm-hmm. then also meeting other Caribbean people who are not queer mm-hmm. and engaging them about Caribbean is also interesting because it's always, uh, I don't know of any queer Caribbean people. Like, sis, you're Caribbean. Mm-hmm. And by virtue of being Caribbean and you knowing Caribbean people, you know queer Caribbean people. Yes. Cut the shit. That was one very, like... <clears throat> You you just wanted to expose this person. I want to expose her. Say their name. I honestly I don't even know who the fuck she is. I Let's met her it. at a poster presentation that I was doing at this conference. Who girl? The colloquium on black males in education, and what a time I had that first year I went. But like, she came over. She was like very interested. And was like, I never knew that there were queer Caribbean people. I'm like, sis, what? Cut the shit. Cut the shit right now. And then I remember most recently I was I was talking with someone um at this award ceremony that I went to and homeboy came up to me afterwards and was like this is a really good thing that you're doing and I'm surprised you even had the gall to talk about it. 
And it's like, okay, nigga, fuck you. But go what? <laughs> People pay me. People pay me thousands of dollars. Do they? Shut up. You, you will pay me thousands of dollars to come to your campus. But people pay me hundreds of dollars and cents. Still a stretch, but okay. Buku money <laughs> to come to their campus and, 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 to, and to train them on how to approach queer Caribbean people. Like, this is a business. Right. And for you to come up to me afterwards and to go to have the gall... The gall what? I'm a businesswoman, sis. Yeah. I don't got time for this shit. So it's like... The process of coming out, the process of bringing uh, queer, like Caribbean, the workshop to places so that students mm-hmm. can receive the support that they need, both in uh, having advisors who approach them differently and therapists who approach them differently, and how they can better understand themselves and have language to come out and to exist as a queer Caribbean mm-hmm. is also how it continues to come out. Pause. Yeah. Let me just plug your thing in, cause then like you're making references, but I'm I just want to let's, let's just let's just make space. Yeah. Robert does cultural competency trainings in queer Caribbean, in Caribbeans, bridging the intersections, yeah. and has done so throughout the United For States. For literally an international dollar. Oh, and international. Don't forget, so, I've been flew. I have been flewed out of the country. Yes. You too will have to flew me out. <laughs> right, so this is a plug to hire Robert yeah. um, to give you that training, to give you that presentation. Because I'll come as a support. Uh. Um, um, but that's that that's that plug is over. For me, being queer and Caribbean in the diaspora, it's like some of the best things in the world, but also it has allowed me to, I guess, be way more introspective than I probably wouldn't have if, like, I never centered my queer uh, Caribbean identities. So, like, I'll just make it clear. Living in New York City as a queer Caribbean person is amazing. Mm. Like, yeah. it's... it's I, I have access to so many things, so many opportunities, and I have so much privilege and uh, all these different things. Things that I'm supposed to have. Yeah. Things that all queer Caribbean people are supposed to have, right? Like, um, I like there's a space for it. There are the 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 spaces for it. There there's there's it's all there. What's been an interesting thing though is, uh, um, my. I've been having I've been struggling with understanding. And growing in my queerness um, as it relates to living in the Caribbean diaspora. Given the fact that, like, my my living as this out queer person didn't necessarily start until I came out to my mother. Yeah. And that being, like, okay, my mother is great. My mother now accepts me. Now I can live the life authentically. Which, mm-hmm. let's talk about the fact that, like, I'm... <laughs> Placing all my queerness and and being dependent on my mom and her approval, mother issues, but it's okay. Um, hashtag therapy. <laughs> hashtag therapy. But like, but at the same time, like that that did happen, right? Like I did say, like, oh wow, I have the validation. Um, and even though I was giving myself the validation already, blah 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 blah, all that stupid shit. I, <laughs> I, I, I I I I'm happy I had gotten it from my mom, which was just like, oh okay, here I am. Let me live that life. But then it becomes a very interesting concept for me because how do you be a queer Caribbean person in the diaspora when your experiences around 
queer Caribbean people have always been trauma, oppression, discrimination, mm-hmm. homophobia, right? Like when I was growing up, I didn't see queer resilience. Yeah. I didn't see like people thriving in their queerness. I, my exposure to queerness in Jamaican media, in all these different things, was always through this politics of oppression and death and mm. this person died and this person was murdered and this person experienced this and this person went through uh, conversion therapy. Like There were just yeah. so many things that inhibited my ability to understand queerness from a Jamaican context and at large from a Caribbean context yeah. when all I knew was death. So... What's a very interesting thing for me is that being queer in the Caribbean diaspora has just been an evolving process where I'm still, I still figure out what it, what that truly means, given the fact that like now I'm knowing resilience, now I'm now I'm seeing online on social media that like we have safe houses or we have this uh, Jamaica is doing pride Jamaica yeah. is doing that like now that I'm outside of the island I'm now seeing the resilience and I'm now seeing more than just oppression and death I'm seeing yeah. I'm seeing houses being out there I'm seeing this and it's it's appreciating that and also understand that like I can't necessarily relate to it but trying my best to relate to it by virtue of existing in the Caribbean diaspora. That makes sense? It makes sense. It makes sense. But you know what? Stick up in, yeah? Stick up blood. Stick up in. Stick up in. We we, we have to stick up in, yeah? Because yes. Time soon done. It's time. It might know we had six things to talk about and we we have so much more to talk about. But all of a sudden, as soon as we talk about our coming out stories, it's it's just like, and then it's like, we can keep going back to it because, like, the it's so nuanced. Coming out is so nuanced, the stories are so rich, and there's so much to learn from it. But, Kadim, yes, baby, may we give them something for Niam, yeah? Yes, I want y'all to really think about. Or envision, right? Because, you know, going back to this piece on, like, queerness being about futurity, begin envisioning a world, right, where fight or flight responses to being queer is not a thing, right? right? Like, let's begin to really hold space for the fact that the connection between guilt and shame around queerness is rooted in a lot of, like, societal situations going on there, those situations being the church, the music, (laughs) language, law, but, you know, y'all know this now because you're following our podcast diligently. Yeah. We're leading y'all up to the whole thing. We're giving y'all things steps by steps, you know? I think that's what I want y'all to chew on for the week. Yeah. Chew on that. Chew on that. That pork fat. And with that said... That good, good jerk pork fat. Oh my gosh, let's go to brunch. Oh my god. We're going to brunch. We are going to motherfucking And as you say brunch, I'm like, "Mm," feeling food in my stomach already. I'm feeling the mimosa revitalizing my energy. Because this was a lot. This was a lot. We did a lot today. And and also like, thank y'all for like listening and and listening to our stories. Uh, Actually, no. You shouldn't be thanked for listening to our stories. Yes. Congrats that you get to hear Congrats our stories. That you get to hear the story. <laughs> but, but also for people who are reflecting on their stories exactly, and what it yeah. looks and feels like. Like, 
Talk to us about it. Yeah, I mean, and understand that, like, we ourselves, this is a process for all of us, right? Like, we are big, big, dirty 23, 23 year old. Excuse right? me. I'm not 23. I'm 65. You better respect exactly. me. Exactly. We are 65 year old, 23 year old aunties, and we're still transitioning into what yeah. this life is. Well, also and in gay years, it's twice as much. So, like, yeah, I am 23, but also I'm like what, 46. 46 now. Ooh, oh, man. Come through, man. Simple math. Yes, one plus one equals two. Um, but yeah, so so understand that like this is a process, and for you all out there who one are not out, or two are still coming out, yeah. three just get that it's a process, mm-hmm. and get that like the most established folks that I've spoken with, the most people, the people out there who are the authors, the activists, they still struggle with all these conversations. And let's normalize that. Yeah. You know, it's that for us queer Caribbean people, it gets so nuanced and yeah. it's, it's an ever evolving thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I'm going to tell those, those folks to chew on that. Like it is okay. Yeah. Um, and with, with that, that said, mm, with that said, follow us y'all on social, social media at mm. Dush and Bush. No D. No D. Never a D. Never a D. Where go? On, <laughs> on Facebook and on Instagram. And you yes. can find this Bush gal. This good gal. I'm Bush not gal. talking about me. Aha. <laughs> Kadiem. It is K H A D I E M E on Instagram and on Twitter. That's right. Mm. I'm letting y'all know that I have a Twitter. From 2009. You gotta go through and clean that up, girl. <laughs> and I'm ready to... I refuse to delete any of my tweets, to be honest. And they're horrible. Oof. But follow me on it. And you can follow this Doty Goods Dush Gal on Instagram at dush. the underscore bishop one two two one. Why or you on Twitter. disrespect the P and the bishop for? <laughs> Why have to do that? Or on you Twitter. You see I rude? At Querib Granny. Yeah. Q-U-E-E-R-I-B. Granny with an N-I-E. Yeah. Not with an N-Y. Mm-hmm. And lastly, submit questions. Yeah. Submit your responses. You can email us at stushanbushpodcast or you can click the link on our social media Instagram yes. that takes you straight to a form where you can mm-hmm. fill out all the questions. Amen. And it's sushanbush at gmail. Not at AOL, not at oh Yahoo, yeah. not at NYU.edu, not at JohnJ.edu, not at Columbia.edu, not at what else again, not at Verizon.net, they get the, they get not the at... They get the you don't want to... No. We can't keep going? Uh, uh, okay. Uh, well, uh, I... Mm? Uh, all right. All right. Well, brunch. Thank you. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Bye.